the only class I ever took in college that I remember and or use is one called interpersonal communication. Basically, it's what it sounds like. It's just a class that teaches you how to communicate effectively with people and convey what you're trying to say. You know, $45,000 down the road. It's the only thing I remember about college, but hey, at least I use it, right? Words are just, they're really powerful. I, I think they're the most powerful thing ever, really. I mean, they can start wars, make people fall in love, do the opposite. They can cause people to trust someone or distrust. They invoke emotion, and emotion is then what drives us to make the choices we do in the physical world. So their words are extremely important. I Sometimes I struggle with finding words for how I feel, or finding words for a situation, or a part of me, like describing something about myself to someone. And my use has kind of fallen in that category that I've mold and mold and mold over. Usually when I mold and mold and mold over something, um, especially if it's something about myself or self-identity, I end up reading, reading something. Reading something or hearing something from someone, but, but, but words. I, I end up finding the right words that I need in that moment that are either a solution or they help me feel calm and at peace with whatever the situation is. You know, the, the major thing you see on cups and sweatshirts is keep calm and carry on or something like that. You know, and, and that's just it's to remind you to keep going. And so the situation I've been dealing with lately is my, is my use. And I can't really find the words, right, to describe it because it's so different, I feel, than what I see all around me. And what I've been taught about addiction and it's hard to even want to quit when all the negative things that you see and hear and are taught don't apply. We're like taking or drinking a really strong cup of coffee in the morning that has like a little bit of, I don't know, pot in it to make you a little happy. That's how it feels. And it doesn't affect me any other way than a cup of coffee with a little pot in it would. And it sounds crazy, I know, but it's it's true. And so I have felt so alienated and, and hence doing this podcast, but it's always racked my brain. And especially lately since I've started work where I do, like, I don't know. It's just, I hear all the things that I've been taught all this time, you know, because of the program. Like people, you know, other people talk about it and staff talks about it and and I've seen the negative effects. There was a guy that was slunched over in a kitchen chair the other day, and we were yelling at him to wake up, and he wouldn't wake up. We were shaking him to wake up, and he wouldn't wake up. He had OD, and he, and he was alive. He was, we didn't have to Narcan him or anything, but that's that's an OD. When you get that deep, it's an OD. And he stumbled, you know, to his room, and he had fallen down the stairs earlier, like. You know, and so of course we're all sitting there talking about like, fuck yeah, and they're like, well, that's why we don't do drugs no more. I'm thinking, well, I don't slunch over in my fucking kitchen chair where you have to shake and scream at me to wake up. I don't fall down the stairs, you know, and then when they talk about it so like, because they're kind of like looking down on him too, which is part of the program I don't like, you know, he relapsed clearly, but don't really look down on the guy. And, you know, it kind of made me feel shitty. So why am I bringing all this up? Because the gentleman 
like always, I found the words I needed to read. I finally found them. That describes how I feel, explains how I feel, explains everything. And so I was working a graveyard shift, just going through the news, when I stumbled upon a guy um, that wrote an article, or an article was written about. And so I want to introduce him to you because his name is Professor Hart. Now it's very important to remember that Professor Hart is a professor of psychology and he's a neuroscientist at Columbia University. Okay, you heard that right. He's a professor of psychology and a neuroscientist at Columbia University. This is probably the most important podcast recording that I will make through the whole thing. It really is. Okay, this is a huge turning point for me. But when you see a guy like Mr. Hart, right, that, that's a pretty high position. He went to school for years and years and years, right? He's of tenure, too. I mean, he's got it made. He's got a house and a family he talks about briefly. He's got the cars and the this and that. You'd respect the guy if you met him, right? Guess what? Mr. Hart's a heroin addict. Oh, no. <gasps> no. Say it's not true. <laughs> he is, though. He truly is. So he explains that when he was growing up, the neighborhood he was in was really like broken down, right? Due to gangs and drugs. Or so he thought. And so he decided to get into researching drugs because he wanted to then take that research, go back to his old neighborhood and try to help people turn their lives around. What he learned was the poverty and the violence wasn't a product of the drugs. The drug was a product of poverty and violence. Think about that. Basically, he's reversing it. He's saying that it's not the drugs that is causing poverty and violence. It's the poverty and violence causing the drugs. And it's true. Why are most homeless people addicted? And let me tell you, I have yet to meet one that's not. Because they're poor and in a situation that they feel they don't have control of, that they're stuck in. So it gives them just a little bit of peace. I mean, we look down at homeless people as just a bunch of dirty addicts, right? But, I mean, you shouldn't. (laughs) But it's true, and it's sad that it's true, but it's true. But really, think about it. They just want a little bit of fucking peace in their lives. Think about how miserable it would be to be on the street in the winter, for fuck's sake. Freezing, you have to take a shit, but you have nowhere to take a shit. That means leaving your tent, which you've got at least your blankets in. You gotta get up and go wherever to go to the bathroom, and you haven't showered in 20 billion years. It's horrible. So, if you could take something that gives you a little bit of peace, alright, that doesn't make you a disgusting, dirty person. And it ties in with, the, with what he's saying about the violence and the poverty. It causes the drugs, it's not the other way around. And that's just what he says he's learned. Because he thought, growing up, like everybody else, what we think. So he's able to just learn something new. And this is from, again, his experience and his own personal use. But something that he says that really, 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 really struck me is the very first sentence of his book, all right? These are the words right here, actually, that that have a meaning to share. I got sidetracked. But he says in his very first sentence of the book, I am an unapologetic drug user. Now, he didn't say, I'm an unapologetic drug addict. Why? Because he goes on to just explain that a drug addict is what we think of, what we picture in our head when people use drugs. They have zero control. 
it's their everything. They lose everything. They can't have relationships. It's just a disaster. But a user is the same as pop. We do our thing for whatever reason that we're using it, and then we move on and complete our responsibilities of adulthood. And that's what he says. He says, I accomplish my responsibilities just fine. I just like to smoke heroin every night. And it seems so opposite and so crazy to us because it's what we're taught. Now, one thing that he brought up, which made me realize that I have passed along a piece of false information to you. I said in one of my posts that you can be addicted to it after the first time. See, that's just something I'm taught. That's something I've heard for years and years and years. But it's more of a, a mental it's, it's false that you can be physically addicted after one time. That is false. Are you going to feel like shit the next morning? Yes. But are you going to be sick, 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 sick where you have to keep doing it? No. Mentally, you might have a mental hook. But, you know, you're not addicted. And the reason I bring that up is because he actually did an experiment where he took people that never used before and he gave them meth. I can't imagine signing up for an experiment like that. But And he had them do it. They were smoking it. And he came in the room and he offered them all a dollar to quit. Stop smoking. Put it down and walk away. Nobody did it. Which is what we expect, right? Oh my gosh. They're smoking. Now they're hooked. They're gone. But he came back in 30 minutes later and handed them $5 if they quit. Every single participant put it down, took the $5 and walked out. What does that show? It shows one, they weren't addicted. Two, that you can't walk away. When given a bigger prize, I guess. Or when given something that you deem is more valuable. That ties in with what I've said a hundred million times. Well, I've said at least once or twice. (laughs) I think people just need something that they deem more valuable than what they're doing to quit. To come out of their addiction. Now notice I didn't say to quit using. I said to come out of their addiction. I no longer, after this and reading this, it made so much sense to me. Like... I'm no longer saying I'm a drug addict. I'm not. I'm a drug user. There's a huge effing difference. I mean, even by the definition of addict, I'm not. Because I've said before I could quit if I had to. Guess what? I'm going to be applying for a permanent position soon. There's two things I could do because there's going to be a UA involved. I can, one, get piss, fake piss, and try to pass a test, which I've done before. But it's stressful because it has to be the right temperature, which means you have to do it just perfect. Well, if I fail my test, I'm not only going to lose my on-call position, I lose the regular job. So what am I going to do? I'm going to clean up for a couple days and then go take the test without stressing. And the thought doesn't make me panic. It doesn't make me freak out. It's going to be a rough few days. I'm not going to feel that great. But I'm going to survive. Because the prize at the end is bigger than the rope. And I can just do it when I'm done. You know, that's the difference. Because when I was in the same position, because I mentioned I'd done a fake piss before, when I was in the same position before, I did the face fake piss route. Because it did cause me extreme panic thinking about quitting. Because I was an addict. I don't know. I just read all this and, and the words were just perfect. Which is in his definitions of an addict and a user are just phenomenal. Like, it's, it's true. And just to feel like someone else is out there who has, you know, this amazing job and who's smart 
man, he's so brave. That would take so much courage to say that out loud, and let alone write a whole book about it. And then say where you work, like, you know, now everybody knows. Um, but he's saying how everybody knew anyways. He was pretty loud, loud about it. I don't know. I don't know. He does make a point, though. He actually makes it really clear he only sanctions drug use by responsible people only. Those that can delay gratification, control of their impulses, and regulate their emotions. For individuals that cannot do that, drugs aren't for you. Because it's true. You got something going on upstairs, and you can't control even your upstairs. How are you going to control your upstairs when you have when you have drugs? And I think that's a big, that might right there be the biggest difference in my personal use. My brain, my whole life, has been a complete disaster zone. I do stupid shit, and I, I say stupid shit, and I don't watch. I, I just didn't care about myself. I was extremely impulsive. Well, when this changed, and I don't know, when I started taking Suboxone is when I, I can seriously see it changed. When this changed, I no longer felt impulsive, and I never felt, like, you know, out of control. And, and that's when I started using dope dose, because I felt like this, the effects of the Suboxone were wearing off. And I started to panic then, because I liked who I was. And the only thing that could allow me to focus like the Suboxone does, or did, that I knew of was meth. And so I started doing that to supplement this boxing. And, it, and thank God it's worked. I mean, I take the two together. I haven't done anything impulsive or crazy or stupid in, oh, wow, a year and a half, almost two years. If you really knew me personally, you would never believe that because I always break. I always have about twice a year, a mental complete shitstorm breakdown where I end up in the ER and they want to keep me and it's a disaster and I, I end up hurting someone emotionally and then which it hurts me emotionally I, I miss work it is horrid and it always happens like clockwork that hasn't happened so for me all I know right now is that under his guidelines I can delay gratification, I can control my impulses, and I can regulate my emotions. So, my use is okay. And my use helps me do that. Everything surrounding addiction that we know of needs to be completely erased and rewritten. I'm not saying that we need to have it so you can just go to the store, you know, go to Fred Meyer, fucking Safeway, or wherever you shop, and pick up a bottle of meth. I'm not saying that because it can. It's not control. You can't. Not everyone can control it. And that's what you see on the streets. And that's what makes it dangerous. And that's why it's still dangerous because you don't know how you're going to handle it. And I've said that in in my little warning segment. You don't know, so it's better just not to do it because you could be on the street crazy. And that's that. That also brings up, and I know this segment's a little bit longer, but you know what? It is the most important one. It brings up another topic of... People think about uh, about dope. They think that it causes your teeth to fall out, for example. Right? Oh, yeah. Your teeth are going to fall out. Or you're going to have a sunken face. You're going to lose all this weight. 
They're going to go crazy. When I was in the army, I would drive Humvees. I was really good at it. They always had me do it. And the Humvees are big diesel engines. And the hum of the engine on a long trip, oh my god, it just puts you to sleep so fast. Like, I would have the hardest time staying awake. And when you stay awake too long, you hallucinate. Sober as fuck, you hallucinate. I remember seeing my sergeant, I thought, hanging out of the Humvee in front of me. I thought I saw a purple reindeer on the side of the road. Half my unit was over looking at it, wanted me to come. What if I turned over to see a purple reindeer all of a sudden and flew off the road? You know, I was hallucinating. What happens if you don't brush your teeth? Well, if you don't brush your teeth, teeth are gonna fall out, right? What happens if you don't eat? Well, if you don't eat, you're gonna lose weight. It's not the drug that causes those things. It's the actions that people take while on it. They don't brush their teeth. You have poor hygiene. And meth makes your mouth dry, drier than normal. So there's extra bacteria. The saliva is not swishing down. They don't eat as much. I eat like a horse, but traditionally you don't. And so they lose weight and they get sucked up because they start eating their own body. That's, that's how it is. They go crazy, right? It's a lack of sleep because they don't sleep. They'll go days and days and weeks. I sleep like a motherfucker, but I know one guy that hates sleeping. I don't know what it is, but he absolutely hates it. He will stay awake for at least three or four days until he literally passes out. You will find him in the weirdest places, like on the side of the road randomly. He lives around here. And like, it's the craziest thing. And he just, he just, his body just shuts him down. He doesn't even have a choice. Yeah, he's also crazy because of it. Because you need sleep. Just like it's not the drugs that cause the violence and the poverty. It's not the drugs that cost, that cause the physical deformities. It's actions while on it. I use lotion for my face and cleaner and cleanser, whatever. I brush multiple times a day. Like I said, I eat like a horse. I actually eat more food than I've ever eaten in my life. I've gained about 25 pounds in the last year and a half. Yes, I gained 25 pounds. And I'm not crazy as of yet. I've never had any hallucinations. I've never seen anything. Sometimes I get confused about things and I think something happened and it didn't. But then I realized it like a normal person really, really fast. Oh, that wasn't that. Okay. Mr. Hart's my hero. Could be put into words, but I couldn't. So I no longer feel like a piece of shit. I don't. I feel like an anomaly. I feel like a percentage of small people in the drug world. But I no longer feel like trash. I'm alright. If you're an addict, I'm sorry. The key is self-discipline, I guess. It's possible, man. I wish you luck. For all you other users out there like me, remember the most important part of not going crazy and maintaining our lifestyle is to get enough sleep. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, sorry for going so far over. Get some sleep.